Hey, well, welcome back. And I, I wanna share a talk today that um, very simply I've called victory. Uh, I want to help you step into something we are promised in Romans 8. And I wanna read this section of text, Romans 8, 31 through 39, right up front to get us prepped for what God is gonna invest into our lives. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no, long, no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or eat, are persecuted, hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Man, what a powerful segment of text that should just make us feel like victors. Have you ever, like if you are just recalling an overwhelming victory, maybe you've witnessed an overwhelming victory and, and, and it just comes to your mind when you hear the term overwhelming victory. Now, being uh, a Northwesterner up here for my whole life in the state of Washington, immediately when I think of overwhelming victory, I think of two things. One, Seattle versus Denver, February 2nd, 2014, Super Bowl champions, right? Underdogs, they come in and dominated the team that was supposed to win that year. In fact, they were the first underdog to beat the opposing team that was favored by more than 40 points while holding their opponent under 10. Yeah, uh, what a story, what an amazing, I just remember, I was excited for the first part of it and then it kind of actually became boring in the second half. But I just, you know, it's like overwhelming victory. Uh, maybe if you're a baseball fan, you think of the second half of every Mariners season and how the opponents get overwhelming victories against too close. Is it too, too, too present? Okay, never mind. I won't joke about the Mariners. They just, they lose. They, they crumble and we feel bad about it. And one of these years, they'll make it to the playoffs. I mean, this year, you got to have a shot. It's a shorter season. Um, 
So God, God's not talking about sports here. But I think we can look at sports and see some great illustrations of overwhelming victories. He's encouraging us through the writings of Paul here in obedience to the Holy Spirit to the Roman followers of Jesus. He's trying to help us grasp the following truth for our life through Christ. Our big idea today is overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus. We have overwhelming victory for all those things that can come against us through Jesus. No matter what comes against us here on earth, it, it, whether it's physical or spiritual attack, victory. And I think one of the things as we've been listening to in conversations with others during the course of the last few weeks is in months, I've had some conversations with some that are not living as victors, but they've settled into a comfort zone as victims. Maybe you read posts of those that are just crying victim, helplessness in a way that uh, is contrary to like a passage like this. And I, I'm not talking about vengeance in this talk. Uh, let's, we're going to now conquer them, you know, although other translations would say we're more than conquerors <laughs> instead of overwhelming victory here. But some of us have truly, some of us have truly been victimized in, in life. And it's our choice how we walk through it. And with Jesus, we can actually walk through it in a way that will be victorious. It's not going to be a moment that defines us or becomes our new identity. God will challenge us and develop our character and move us through the valleys. Uh, one of the things I've, I've heard over and over again uh, is, well, there's a bunch of them. Uh, can, can I have a little fun? You know, what some things I've heard, oh, Inslee's killing my business or, or church or, you know, it's like I'm a victim to the government or the governor. I genuinely don't believe, and I've had this conversation with many people face-to-face -face or, or on phone calls. I don't believe there's a group of people in the capital of the state of Washington wringing their hands together saying, how do we kill the church? You know, I just don't, I don't think things are that evil yet. I do believe there's some people that would love to take advantage of that opportunity or that the enemy would empower to do that. But we can still be a victor even though we're in the season of challenge. And uh, our value would be, man, uh, let's honor those above us. Let's pray for them. And they're trying to make some choices that would save people's lives, not that are killing us and killing our businesses, although that's a byproduct. Uh, my marriage is suffering because of the lockdown. I mean, people are challenged. People are challenged in their relationship. They're together more than ever before. So that's very real, right? But is it the lockdown's fault? Do you hear the victim mindset in that? Well, it's the lockdown's fault my marriage is struggling, right? What ownership can we take? Masks are killing my freedom. Okay, I'll move on. Uh, okay, I can't go to church and worship with, with these restrictions, so now I'm slipping back into sin patterns. Well, I think we know that the evil desires rise up within us. It's not 
necessarily the church's fault that we're sinning, but it's easy to blame, right? Do you see how this is the victim mindset? With schools shut down, I'm robbed of my me time as a stay-at-home parent. Um, what am I going to do? Mental breakdown, right? And yeah, uh, now you're a tutor, counselor, principal, paraeducator, disciplinary principal, <laughs> recess monitor. I get it. I work from home, you know? So it's like I can't be as productive as I was before because I am in my home. So now I'm working different hours. I'm working later when it's quiet. Uh, anyway, it's the kid's school now. It's not my home anymore. That's just what's going to happen in the fall. And what do we make from this? Listen to this quote. Richard Bach said, if it's never our fault, we can't take responsibility for it. If we can't take responsibility for it, we'll always be its victim. Uh, so I will ask again, why do we live as victims instead of victors? Man, as I went researching this and, and really trying to dig into this, I found four reasons that we live as victims. And, and you could just jot these down. They're not in your notes or on the app. But validation is one of the reasons. People feel validated. Misery loves company. So when we pass off and, and, and complain about what is going on in the world around us, we'll be validated. And so we slip into that seat of the victim. Another reason is you don't have to find a solution if you're a victim. You're just the victim. Somebody else needs to now solve it, which will never agree with their solution. Third thing is you don't have to admit responsibility. You can just blame shift and, and with the best of them, and everybody loves to point fingers. So you have, again, great, great company as you're talking about whose fault it is, but it's not my fault. And what's crazy is the fourth reason people just settle into a victim mindset or a victim pattern is it makes you feel right because so many people will agree with you. They're not going to tell you you're wrong. Nobody's going to look a victim in the eye and, and, and tell them, well, this is your fault because then you're a jerk, <laughs> you know? So you just kind of look at that and you go, man, for these reasons alone, people get stuck in victim mindset, but you unknowingly give up your freedom and overwhelming victory in that comfort of being a victim. There's a better life for us. There's a better way. Galatians 5.1 says, Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, the Galatian writer, they're speaking of the laws of Moses, right? And they were wrestling as to whether they needed to submit still to the laws and be saved through their faith in Jesus. But the principle applies here for, for whether we're going to slip into living as a victim to the culture and season around us or whether we and be enslaved by our attitudes or whether we're going to declare passages like this over our life that says, no, I'm free. I'm not going to slip back into slavery. In fact, I have overwhelming victory through Jesus. So those who live this overwhelming victory of Christ understand how to break out of a victim mindset. And they have five key 
similarities. People who break out of this mindset, uh, they take responsibility for their life and respond to what life brings with ownership, right? They're uh, okay with not being the victim. That sounds weird, but sometimes we have to be okay not being victimized, that, that we can choose not to complain. So it happened. That's life. Let's move forward. They, uh, they're grateful for what they do have instead of focusing on everything they don't. Hey, let's make, let's make lemonade out of these lemons. Or in our home, we say, let's make lemonade or lemon bunt cake, blueberry bunt cake. In fact, it's, it's delicious. I've had too much of it during quarantine. Okay, moving on. Uh, they say they learn uh, to forgive. Honestly, when you're truly a, truly a victim, you're going to be put in a position where you're either going to imprison yourself in bitterness or learn how to walk out forgiveness. Because the only person who is imprisoned by a situation is the one who's not acting in love by forgiving. It's hard though. That's like a whole message in itself. Fifth thing that they discover is the power of being outward focused. Instead of having a pity party, which nobody comes to, if you invite people to your pity party, it's instead of doing that, they're going to open themselves up to serving others with the challenge they've just gone through and they discover breakthrough in life through that. I mean, Galatians 5. So we just, we listened to that freedom text just a second ago. He continues verses later, Galatians 5.13. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. We have overwhelming victory through Jesus. All that to give you a couple thoughts, right, that are launched out of this Romans 8 passage, an overwhelming victory uh, that is ours and really a way for you to live free from the victim mindset. Thought one, we need to comprehend Jesus is pleading for you. Jesus is pleading for you. Uh, we have the power to step into overwhelming victory if we understand, again, we're not alone that Jesus is pleading for our current realities, both the good and the bad. The fears that you're facing, you're not alone. Jesus right now is at the right hand of God pleading for your fears to be broken. The sins you've slipped back into, you're not alone. God is fully aware because Jesus is at his right hand pleading for you to break out of that pattern again. The worry and anxiety you're experiencing for your present and your future, guess what? Not alone. Jesus is pleading for you, not just for generic anxieties or worries. He knows the heart of your anxieties and worries, where they root from and is pleading for you. Is this sinking in a little? You lost some of your income, a job, a company, or you think you're going to, and that has you worried about your home, your future, your family. You're not alone. Jesus knows the circumstances specifically, and he's pleading for you. Future gets less clear. 
Things are a little fuzzy. Guess what? You're not alone. Jesus is pleading for you. Okay, kids. Kids. Are you ever afraid to go to bed or the lights are out and you're like, I need a night light. I need to turn the light on. I'm a little worried. I'm getting a little nervous. I don't want to go to bed because of those fears I have when it's dark. You're not alone. Jesus is right there with you in that moment of fear and worry. He's pleading for you to make it through it and grasp his strength to help you overcome that. Maybe you're angry with your brother or your sister. Jesus is praying with you not to make bad choices in that moment of anger. He's pleading for you in prayer. Jesus is like, help Wyatt not stick that gum in Josie's hair, right? <laughs> He's like, don't let Preston throw his iPad across the room. He only has five minutes left of his screen time. Oh, some of these are close, maybe. Uh, help Ford and Harlan play well today. Jesus knows what he is praying. Dana's like, Jesus better plead for Thad to stop snoring so I can get a better night's sleep. Even Dana's not alone. Uh, Jesus is pleading even for my snoring to subside. I mean, whatever it is that's coming at us, we got to realize Jesus is at the right hand of your heavenly father who is for you right now. And he's pleading for you right now. That should just lift a burden from our life, should lift a burden from our shoulder. You don't have to pass the blame or complain about all the wrong. We can look to Jesus and ask God what is next and break free from the apathy of pity party to partake in the adventure of walking in new life and new way of thinking. I love how it's it's worded in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ when we follow Jesus. Or Romans 12 too, where it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We just need a mindset shift to understand God is for us, with us, pleading for us. We can change our ways. And this is an answer to Jesus' prayer. He is pleading for us to own our life, our current realities, good and bad, so we can see ahead to what God is planning. Something greater, something more fulfilling, the full life with peace of mind awaits. Open life can sit and sulk because we don't have a place to worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. every week because of COVID-19. Or we could uh, realize Jesus is pleading for us and has a plan and we just need to find it. You know, we have the answer to our prayers awaiting and just need to grasp it. We just need to steer clear of the cloud that comes from living in a victim mindset and await with confident expectation God's provision. Thought two, nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. When it says nothing, it means like completely nothing can separate us from God's love. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted, hungry, destitute, danger, threatens with death? No is the answer. 
No. The more we complain, the more we glorify the one who orchestrates all of the chaos around us. Instead, we should put our focus on where our victory comes from. Our hope is in the Lord. Let's talk about that. Because if we keep repeating and repeating and repeating the wrong, we go darker, darker, deeper, deeper. Even when everything is blowing up around us, we can cling to the fact that nothing can take away God's love for us. This week, as I watched probably too many Twitter feed videos from people in Beirut, uh, I was taken right back to 9-11. And for those of you that remember watching those planes hit those towers over and over again, I watched this Beirut explosion over and over again and just started praying bold prayers for those people that were going to be impacted because I remember how 9-11 impacted our country. And I just was, was broken. What looked like something from a digitally enhanced scene from a <laughs> Endgame's Avengers movie happened in real life. And it was scary and terrifying. And it became reality. The devastation so massive. And I just started thinking, man, even for those who cling to Jesus there, God is on their side and they've not been separated from his love. Many organizations are there sharing the love of Jesus right now on the ground, serving the hundreds of thousands who were injured and homeless. It's moving. John 16.33 says something that is powerful. Jesus teaching his disciples that their peace is in him. And he says this, he says, here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. We will have trials and sorrows, but take heart. Our, our action step today is take heart in Christ's victory. Take heart in his victory. The enemy of our soul would love for us to make rash decisions when things are all up in the air like right now. The enemy of our soul would love for us to turn against God in hard times, trials, and sorrows. And blame God, shake our fist at God. I've seen it too many times in seasons of loss. People just, God! And so you give space for them to process this, right? But it's at the moments that are most difficult when we should take heart. Exactly what Jesus challenged us there. Take heart. Bury this truth in your spirit right now. Jesus has overcome the world. Overwhelming victory is ours. We can take heart in Christ's victory because of his cross, resurrection. We have love now, life now, life eternal. Nothing can take that away. Nothing. We can lean in, take heart, and thank God for our victory. Will you pray with me today? God, I, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come. And, and this is a difficult season for so many around the world. And I pray right now that you will come alongside us and lift our spirits with this understanding that one, you're praying and pleading for us right now and overwhelming victory is ours through you. 
because you overcome the world. There's nothing that can come against us that would separate us from your love, nothing. So may we understand that we're loved by you, you're for us right now, and we can lean into our relationship with you like never before so that we can experience life to the full and the peace of mind that comes through your victory for us. God, if there's people listening, watching, that have uh, not made a decision to follow you, I pray right now they would step into this promise. And the way you experience this is through Jesus, it says. You have to make a decision to put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God who died on a cross, resurrected from the grave three days later, and gave us a promise of eternal life if we would put our faith in his salvation. And so you simply invite him into your life and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be saved. I want to, I choose to follow you today. And from this point forward, we grow that relationship together. You become a part of a body like we'll talk next week. God, I just pray for those that make that decision and pray for those who are just doubling down on their understanding of your love for them today. Give us victory mindset this week. May we overcome all the obstacles of the world that are thrown at us continuously every day right now and understand our position through our relationship with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.